Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the universe, the great mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Juliet Mansour. Juliet is a first-generation American raised in the 1970s when other concerns besides artistic expression took precedence. After having completed graduate school studies, it made sense for Juliet to use her strength in learning languages and her ease with communicating with other cultures as a start to her professional history. She devoted her time as an, as an English as a second language teacher until an unexpected ter- left turn inspired her towards self-taught web design, which turned into a career in information technology and web marketing projects. As the founder and owner of Casa Dresden, Juliet found a way to blend her love for languages, the written word, and cultural diversity with her career experience in IT, graphics, and web development. Juliet Mansour Photography was created as the artistic branch of Casa Dresden. Today, Juliet enjoys a comfortable balance as a subcontractor by day, continuing her web design and marketing experience, while at night she hones her passion for her photography work. Juliet actively grooms herself in the genre called street photography using both film and digital mediums. Juliet is one of the few street photographers in Atlanta. Inspired her, by her own fascination with street photography and the amazing backstory of street photographer Vivian Meyer, Juliet founded the Atlanta Street Photography Group, which meets actively each month and posts on Flickr.com. Welcome, Juliet. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you. And I know that you um, actually are an artist in many mediums, but we're going to talk a little bit today about specifically about your street photography. Can you tell me how you got interested in that? Sure. Um, when I started photography, I was very green to all things creative. It was sort of the, the one skill that busted everything else open for me. And I started doing what most newbie photographers do, which is take pictures of animals and nature and things, things like that. And slowly but surely, um, as I started to travel more, I started seeing things in the scenes on the street. And the pictures began appearing as subjects that um, drew me in and caused me to ask questions, caused me to wonder about their stories. And I just found myself picking up a camera and trying to shoot anything that I could find that serendipitously would show up. And so that's how it was born for me. And I just, it's number one in terms of, you know, the genre that I try to shoot. So how long have you been shooting street photography now? It's been probably about four years. Um, and la- a couple of years ago, I founded the Atlanta Street Photography Group. And we meet once a month. And it's great to have that group of people, you know, to join in and the camaraderie and things that we try to find and interesting moments. I just love it. So how did you find other photographers that are interested in the same genre? 
Well, um, there aren't many in Atlanta, and so I would join different uh, meetup groups for, for photographers around Atlanta. Um, and, you know, slowly some started to come out of the woodwork and say, hey, this sounds like an interesting thing. You know, I like going out and taking pictures of people, candid shots. Um, I want to know more. And it's starting to build kind of slowly. Um, there are huge followings of street photography in New York and San Francisco and uh, Chicago and, uh, and London, places like that, where you have a much more vibrant street life. Um, but we're working on it. There's still a lot to shoot here in Atlanta. Well, and I know that in your bio, you said you shoot both digital and film. So why why film? Why are you going back to an older medium when, when digital is so much easier? Well, digital's easier. It's quicker. And I absolutely love it. Um, it was where I started. But film requires a different kind of artistry. It requires almost a spiritual side to the photographer. There's a lot more waiting involved. Um, there's something absolutely magical about being in a dark room and you've picked out that one negative that really speaks to you and it's in its raw form. And all you have to do is shine the right amount of light on it. And you stick that piece of paper in the chemical and you watch the image come alive. That's just amazing to me. And it's almost addictive. <laughs> I've talked to other photographers who are into film and, and it's actually making a comeback right now. Well, and that was going to be my next question. Is it hard to find film to be able to shoot film? Not at all. Um, you know, there are suppliers who are actually replenishing their stock right now. Um, because it's become so popular again. There's a new um, type of film photography called lamography that really is about toy cameras. Um, if you remember the old Polaroids and, and the little bitty 110 film cameras, right. well, it's based on that. Um, it's become okay to, for a photographer to go out and take a picture on any type of camera and do anything to it or not do anything to it, just let it speak for itself, oh, rather than the focus being, oh, well, it's got to be digital, it's got to be so many megapixels, and it has to have this kind of clarity and this kind of focus. So I really like that, that, you know, this type of photography is allowing people now to be more creative, be who they are, and not necessarily have all those digital skill sets. So do you prefer shooting in color or do you prefer shooting in black and white? Oh, that's a hard question. I really like both. I think black and white, even though it's easier technically in the darkroom, it's um, in a way much more demanding um, because you have only two tones to work with. Uh, color has a story, adds to a story. You know, it's it's brilliant the way you can just take about five or six shots, find a common color. I just made a blog post this morning about some uh, shots I took in Portland, and I noticed that, you know, all five sh of the shots had a particular kind of color in it. And um, so it, it's, it can play upon itself. It can become sort of a, another character in the story. So, so I love both. And each one has its its challenges. So when you go out to shoot, do you carry multiple cameras with you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't decide before you go, this is going to be a film black and white day versus well, a yeah, color digital day. Yeah, no, to a degree. Um, I always carry one digital 
and one film camera. But sometimes, you know, I'll think, well, do I want the toy camera and do I want the more professional, you know, manual camera? Or, you know, which one do I bring? And I end up bringing like four or five. So I'm the nerd carrying around the big bag of all this stuff, you know. And plus with film, you got to bring extra rolls, too. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to, t- <laughs> you know, simplify that a little bit. And then there's the iPhone, you know, which has become wildly popular for photographers. You know, there's apps like Instagram and um, all kinds of apps out there, actually, where you can just go anywhere with your iPhone, take a shot, and now you're sharing it with millions of people. So I love that. I love that flexibility. And I love that anybody can be a photographer. You don't have to have you know, all of these skills to call yourself a photographer. Well, and the nice thing about technology is the quality continues to get better and better in smaller space for some of those digital things like the iPhone. Yes, exactly. So when you're, um, when you are getting in the mindset of, of going out to shoot photography, do you have anything that you do to kind of get yourself into the zone or to get, to get your mindset to be able to tap into the things that you see? Yeah, that's a very good question, and it's something that I actually struggle with a little bit um, because, for me, being alone puts me in that zone. And that's not always, you know, where you can be, if, especially if you're with a group or even more so if you're with a friend or a partner and you're going out on vacation Um, It's very difficult to say, excuse me, I've got to go get in the zone. So I'll be gone for like 30 minutes. Can we meet back up? (laughs) Some people are actually okay with that, but it's it's challenging. Um, So I'm working on, well, how can I, you know, find that alone time where I really feel that openness and I can connect with what's around me and still have somebody with me? Um, So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So uh, can you describe it all how you're how you're working on that, how you're coming to find that space with somebody else? Um, Well, you have to have somebody there who understands it, first of all. So it's not going to work if you don't have, you know, somebody who understands what what that means or what that's like for you. Um, When I'm with my street photography group, we make an agreement to basically separate for a little while, then come back together, compare notes, see, you know, what the challenges were. And when I'm with somebody who knows me well, I just simply tell them, okay, I'm going to go into the zone. Is it okay if I take 30 minutes here or can you just wait maybe five minutes? And they're usually very cooperative and say, I'll wait. And then they don't speak to you. They just watch you. They observe you. And then you've got that kind of voice in the back of your head going, God, they're waiting for me. I better hurry. (laughs) (laughs) So I tell myself, okay, it's all right. This person has agreed. And I'm going to be okay with it. And so let me relax and just kind of get into the moment. And it's that's been working pretty well. So having that communication with the other person kind of gives you the space to create the space that you need. Yeah. You have to have a pretty good dialogue with somebody or they have to be an artist themselves or, you know, just somebody who understands what you're trying to do. So do you have any stories of how your art has expanded your consciousness of God or your experience of your spirituality? Oh, wow. So many. I think it happens every time I go out on the street. And that's why I love street photography so much because, and and for, for anybody who doesn't know what that means, I, and I try to clarify it for new people coming into the group, it's not taking pictures of the street itself or buildings or out, 
inanimate objects. It, it's about candid photography of people living everyday lives. So it's that, you know, candid moment that you can find something really unexpected, something humorous, something sad. It, it's about finding emotion in what people are doing on the streets. Um, and there's so much room for that in any city. You can find that anywhere you go. Um, so it happens for me literally every time I go out and do street photography. But I, I can remember one time specifically when I was in San Francisco. And uh, it was my first time out there, so I was really excited to be there. And I was alone all day, which was great. <laughs> I didn't have to explain anything to anybody, so I had all of that room. And I was also in a particularly interesting time in my life because it was a big transition for me spiritually and emotionally. And so I got out there, and I went to Berkeley. And Berkeley happens to be an area where there are a lot of homeless people. There's a lot of art artists. Um, there are very interesting characters. And so I literally sat on four street co corners for about 10 hours. And I really felt that the people that I engaged with, you know, and talked to, and some people you, you can ask, you know, can I take your photograph? And then there are people who you don't speak to at all, and you just find that moment and you take that shot. For each of those situations, it it really felt to me like the person who was in my path was a representation of some aspect of ourselves, you know, collectively. Um, whether it was the homeless person with the dog or, you know, the lady who was a writer who said, hey, yeah, I'd love for you to take shots of me. And, and can I have those because I'm writing a book and I, you know, love to have some profile pics. Or it could be that kid who kind of watches you and they know you're taking pictures of them. So they start showing off a little bit. It was like a little piece of of humanity in everybody. And that was the experience that I had that it probably stands out the most. So do most people that you talk to, it sounds like you talk to some people and you don't talk to some people, but does, do you find that most of the people that you talk to want to have a copy of the photo? Actually, no. Really? Interestingly enough. And then, of course, you also run across people who say, I don't want you to take my picture. And you have to respect that. Um, when you take a shot with film, though, you can't delete it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's hard to explain to people who, film? What? Why are you still doing film? Um but no, they, they typically don't ask for it. That's very interesting. It is, yeah. So do you like to talk to the people that you photograph? Do you like to hear more of the story about them? Yeah, there's a part of me, the storyteller, the writer part of me wants that. The photographer doesn't because a candid moment is a candid moment. And so when you initiate a conversation with somebody, they're on guard and they already know you're going to take their photo. And they're going to be poised for it and you miss that candid expression. So, um, you know, I, I kind of have to go into it deciding at the beginning of the trip, am I, you know, I'm going to let myself engage or not. And if I have a big long day, like I did in San Francisco, then I'll do that. I'll open that up. So, um, do you connect differently with source when you're creating by yourself than when you're maybe collaborating with someone else on a project, whether it's photography or whether it's a different kind of a project? I think 
probably all my life collaborating with God, with the universe, you can call it higher self. When you're by yourself, it does take on a completely, for me, it takes on a completely different type of energy. Then when I'm with, you know, and I love being with groups. I love collaborating. I love camaraderie. But yes, it is definitely a very different feel to it. And you feel a level of responsibility because there are other people involved. You know, I've got to be more responsible about, you know, my choice of words or, you know, the energy that I'm putting out there because everybody out there can be a sponge, you know, or they can be a vampire, depending Mm -hmm. on who they are. Um, So, yes, it is a very, very distinct feeling and, and distinct energy. So when you're getting ready to go shoot, do you have a specific idea in mind of, of what you want to capture or is it how how do your ideas come to you how does that how do you and how do you decide which ideas you're going to follow it's completely open when when i walk out there i don't know what i'm going to get that's the the beauty of for me street photography is you don't have a plan you just sit there and you basically wait people have different tactics for it you know some people jump around a lot um and there's a uh, street photographer is very famous on Henri Cartier-Bresson, and he would he was a hyperactive kind of guy who just jumped from one scene to the other and would go to great lengths to get that shot. And then other people will just sit literally on a corner and wait and and watch. Um, but for me, that type of that genre, there is no planning. Um, when I'm traveling, you got that time limitation. And so you don't have the luxury of sometimes sitting around for eight hours. And so in those kind of cases, I, I just kind of, you know, say to myself, what's important here that I, what's the feeling or the energy of the city that I want to capture? And so if it's a very vibrant, bustling city, city, well, I want to be, you know, in downtown Manhattan today because I want to catch all of those cab rides and people crossing the street and, that's the kind of energy that I want to capture. Whereas, you know, someplace like Portland, Oregon, um, you know, for me, trying to find what it is about that particular city that shines or that people may not know, you know, that you have to actually go out and find it. That's why I love traveling, too, because it's this big exploration. You don't know what you're getting, but you know the feeling, you know the energy behind the city. And now you have to figure out how to, you know, connect with that and so then the the photos tend to come out you know more authentic well and i know in addition to photography you're also right and you have played music and and are a musician so what have been some of your favorite places to travel as an artist um definitely there are some places in europe that are just amazing i you can take the entire country of italy and split it up into dozens of different areas because each one is so distinct um and there are areas that are just so magical but by the same token there are pretty amazing cities here in the united states because i lean towards street photography i'm going to go for big cities like chicago new york um san francisco um but the west coast has got probably the most interesting um energy and characters that i've ever seen um, and it seems like a more wide variety to me. My hometown of Atlanta also has some really interesting stuff. You just have to go look for it, you know, and get past all the heat to get to it. <laughs> so where in Atlanta would you suggest people go to look for 
interesting things. Well, you know, Piedmont Park is all, always a great place to find a whole different variety of, of people um, walking around enjoying life. There are some great pockets around Atlanta that I don't think people know about. For example, Oakhurst is a great spot um, where you see, you know, a lot of people walking around just enjoying a, a more, um, it's an urban type of lifestyle, but at the same time, it's a little bit of a slower pace. Um, anywhere around what, what the Crog Street Tunnel is a great place that I love to go and, and when I'm going with groups because of all the graffiti and, you know, the different characters walking around there. Um, so many places around Atlanta. And the thing is, is they're all so different. I mean, you could be, you know, up 285 and see something like feel like you're in an entirely different city 20 minutes away towards downtown. Yeah, outside the perimeter is definitely a different feel than inside the perimeter. Yes, definitely. So I know that you have a blog where you post some of your photography, and I believe you also post some of your writing on your blog. Is that is that right? I usually just incorporate writing, but it can be a random, you know, kind of mess at times, and uh, that's just kind of my space for, you know, letting my muse sort of take control and take over. So, so, so what is the blog? Where can listeners find your blog? It's at www.julietmansour.com. So how often do you go out and shoot and and write? Um, formally shoot probably about once a week or so um, with the group and outside of the group. I've always got my iPhone with me, though, and there's always something every day that I will take a shot of with my iPhone, um, including when I'm in the kitchen and I've just created a meal and I, you know, I'm really wanting to share. Um, I saw some of the pictures you posted earlier this week and I so wanted to come to your house for dinner. (laughs) That looks so good. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I love I one of my other passions is is health and diet and, you know, eating um, food that really sustains you. And um, I grew up with some amazing food that my mom cooked. And um, from two different cultures, you know, I got a lot out of that. So I, I'm, it's a big part of my life, too. So what is your cultural background? Uh, my dad is Middle Eastern. From, uh, his ancestry is from Lebanon. And my mom's uh, Colombian, South American. So that is some interesting food combinations, I would think. Yes, and they both settled in Atlanta in the 50s, and my mom was actually the first of uh, the first three Latin families here in Atlanta, which is wow, yeah, pretty amazing to think back that there were only three Latin families back then. And how many languages do you speak? Um, a, well, two fluently, and about four. I've got enough knowledge to get me into trouble. <laughs> Well, and I know that that's part of what you work into your regular job is that fluency in languages and being able to you know, translate the the English version into the Spanish version and help people understand those differences. You know, cross-cultural communication is always going to be a huge part of my life, um, partly because of, you know, my background, but also because I've been around enough of, you know, language education. And I mean, all these areas in my life have tied into the fact that we all need to communicate better. We need to learn to understand messages clearly, we need to impart them clearly. And so that's always going to be a passion of mine is how can we make messaging better and more effective? Um, and for the Latin, you know, Latin American community and, you know, the Hispanic community at large, that's also going to be a very personal 
um, thing that I'll always strive for. So I'm curious how your um, art has has affected your spiritual evolution or how your spiritual evolution has affected your art. That's interesting. They've actually affected and inspired each other. And without one, there couldn't be another. Um, for so many years as a child, I wasn't in tune with the artist side of myself. And yet that was a part of me that was really itching to come out. And so the way it manifested was in these gadgets and these, you know, technical type of things or, you know, the web design or and and I kept accumulating one skill after another because I loved to learn. Um, so I'd go out there and I'd, you know, find something. I thought, oh, that's cool. That's neat. And I'd learn it up to a point. And then there was this kind of voice going, uh, not quite. And I just kept moving and moving. And, and it, it was interesting. I was thinking about this the other day that, you know, on my website, I'd say I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. But what I was really doing over the years is getting closer and closer and closer to my artistry. Because what I noticed is with each skill, there was a different stage and it just became more and more on the right side of the brain versus the left side of the brain. So when I found photography, that was, as I mentioned earlier, the one that sort of broke the camel's back and bust the door wide open. But what happened was that I couldn't have had that moment if I didn't have a spiritual awakening in my life and that openness to being awake for life. So the two sort of complemented each other and came together at the right time. So... How did you discover photography? Because obviously we all know, you know, that cameras are around and the ease of cameras. So what was it that was that catalyst of, you know, kind of opening that up to you as an art form? It came through somebody else, um, another artist who had seen me taking photographs, had looked at my work and said, um, you know, you got a really good eye. And instead of just walking around and hiding in scenes with your camera, why don't you try doing something with it? So I listened, and um, and I went forward with it. And what I found was it just started opening more and more doors for me. But it, I'd been so scared of actually considering myself an artist. What me? No, I can't be an artist. I have to go to school. I have to get a degree. I have to do this. I have to do that. And as time has moved on, I've discovered that you know it's not about the degrees. Degrees are a great thing. I got a degree in in one field and and specialized in it, and it it added tremendous value. But to really experience life, you have to kind of knock down that barrier and say, okay, I'm willing to explore anything. So that's what I did with photography, and, and I simply just don't regret it because it brought that spirituality to me as well. So when did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Um, it literally just happened one day I was redesigning my website and I started typing out the bio and all of a sudden I found myself calling myself an artist. I went, Whoa, where'd that come from? (laughs) I felt all kinds of alarms go off. No, that's not what you are. (laughs) And then some other voice said, "Mm, just try it on. See if, see if it works. And it's been a lot of struggle, you know, being able to say, yes, that's what I am and really embrace it without rejecting it. 
Well, and I would love for our listeners to be able to come and see some of your art. Can you tell them how they can find you and how they can see your art? Well, there's my website, which is julietmensour.com. I'm also um, going to be in the Brookhaven Arts Festival. I'm sharing a booth with another photographer there. That will be in October, I think October 17th. Um, and uh, if you picked up, well, that was last month, but the Atlantan magazine, there was a spread, a two-page spread in the in the center. But you can also go to, you know, the website, and there's all kinds of links there. Um, and um, we are also, I'm also pretty active with the street photography group, and we were considering doing um, sort of an exhibition, but that's to be determined. So, and then your Casa Dresden site also links to your. Um, to your more web development marketing work as well as to links people over to your Juliet Mansour photography. Yes, yes. the Casa, uh, Casa com is um, the website that I built for my freelance web work. And from there, you know, you can find my LinkedIn profile. I'm very active on social media. I've done social media marketing, so that's always going to play in. Lots of links there. Um, to the professional history and kind of a, a little explanation of how I got where I got um, the crazy jack of all trades uh, <laughs> sort of route. But um, and then Juliet Mansour connects if you click on the photography link. I do find that a lot of artists are so interested in so many different things that they do become kind of become a jack of all trades very often. Yes, that's true. And, you know, it depends on where you go for it. A lot of people get the calling, but some do not respond. <laughs> <laughs> so are you willing to go out there and take that risk and, you know, explore something different? And, you know, it, there's an ego thing involved there that what will people say? Will they judge me? Will they think that my work is too amateur or not good enough? Or maybe I didn't go to school. And so, you know, it's not real. And um, I'm, I have been encouraging some people along the way to just don't even pay attention to that. Just do what your heart tells you to do. I think that's excellent advice. Juliet, thank you so much for being on the show today. It always goes by so fast. Can you tell our listeners one more time how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, the original website is www.casadresden.com. That's C-A-S-A-D-R-E-S-D-E-N. Or you can go to the photography site, which is www.julietmansour.com, J-U-L-I-E-T-T-E-M-A-N-S-O-U-R. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thanks to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk to another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.